This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live from the Diocese of Duluth. We're in our final segment this morning, and kind of a special segment. We have a unique opportunity, well, a unique privilege, in that we have someone who has such a vast knowledge of our church's history and in particular the history of our popes our very own host father richard Kuntz, is both host and guest be careful now i don't know that, i don't know that much i just like i just like the subject that's all well i would say you know more than most and by most i mean 99.9 percent <laughs> of the people out there on this planet earth and actually, this is a fun segment because we really just get a chance to talk a little bit about um, papal history, what's unique about it, things that you find interesting, right. which are mostly going to be things none of us have ever heard sure, before. Sure. And so I think that's a lot of fun. So what's been stirring on your mind as you were thinking about this segment? <laughs> uh, I didn't put a ton of thought into the segment. That's why I was kind of relying on you to ask some questions. But, you know, the thing is that one thing I always tell people when it comes to, like, history in general, but papal history in particular, is that you know, truth is certainly stranger than fiction. I mean, the history of our papacy is is so interesting, and you you certain aspects of it you couldn't you couldn't make this stuff up. You know, and so we really see the the drama of God acting through us fallible human beings in the in the the personalities of some of these people that held that office. You know, because the papacy as a as an office has developed so much over the millennia in regards to what its role was in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a bunch of questions for you. Maybe I'll start with some softballs. Yeah, make them easy. Yeah, I'll try to echo the, what all of us are thinking in, yeah. the, in the listening audience right now. So the first was, which pope had the longest tenure? Well, I mean, that's debated. You know, and so it's like some people say Peter. Okay. But I tend to go with not Peter up until... Uh, it's a matter of opinion, huh? No, it, well, in some cases it is. If you find any book written about the history of the papacy that predates, like, the 19th century, every book will speak of Peter's reign as 25 years, mm. that he was in Rome for 25 years. Uh, and so it was always this unwritten assumption that nobody would transcend the length of time that Peter had. But in, you know, 1871, there was a pope that beat that out. That was Pope Pius IX. So Pope Pius IX uh, is the longest reigning pope. Uh, he was pope from 1846 uh, to 1878. And so that's a long period of time. And so uh, ever since that time frame has gone by, uh, I've heard people say, and uh, different historians say, well, actually, Peter was pope for 33 years. So it's, it kind of like changed. Ah. So, so generally speaking, at least in the modern era that we, that, that we know the history of, not just the modern era, but... The history of the papacy that we know specific dates is Pope Pius the Ninth. And let's flip it. Do you know which pope had the shortest reign yes. as, as pope, the chair of Rome? Pope Urban the Seventh. So Pope Urban the Seventh was uh, uh, he was pope for twelve days. So he <laughs> it was it was in August, I believe. I could be wrong on this, but I think it was fifteen ninety one. He was pope for just twelve days. He contracted malaria. He was healthy when he was elected, but he contracted malaria, which Rome was very. Um, uh, well known for uh, um, uh, had very bad air and so uh, he died very suddenly we have uh, a question coming from Brandon here we're trying to stump you we're going to start I guarantee you, some you more can, fastballs you're, you're going to be able to stump me I guarantee you so which name have the most popes taken to your knowledge uh, John John's the most common yeah, John 23rd 
So John, that was an easy one, Brandon. Oh, because it's come yeah, on. the come on, Roman numerals after no, it. Yeah, there's yeah. been 23 Johns. I get 23 it. 23 Johns. Okay. Jeez, so there's only been two John Pauls. Only two, yeah. And I, I don't. I'm hoping that there's no others. I kind of like he broke the mold, John Paul II. Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, I'm uh, I'm kind of hoping that we won't have another John Paul. A question from our fearless production assistant, which was a question I had in my mind Ooh. too. Who is the youngest pope to get elected? Yeah, right. And there's um, uh, um and it's interesting that Eli's asking that question because Eli just turned 19. Uh, he's very, yeah, did, very young. Does he have his driver's license? Yet? I don't. Uh, I I don't think he's got his driver's license yet. I think his mom still drives okay. him to work. Yeah. But uh, um, it's it's very coincidental that the 19 year old Eli asked me that because according to history, the youngest pope was 19 when he was elected, and that was Benedict the Ninth. Wow. What so era, roughly? Oh, boy, that's, uh, I think that's 11th century, I believe. You know, my knowledge of the papacy gets better in the modern era. Okay. So um, a lot of the, you know, the, like the Dark Ages, the, even the early papacies, I, I, there's a lot of information we don't have about those popes. Mm-hmm. But my interest has mostly been Renaissance okay. uh, and then f- from there forward. Well, let's take it from the Renaissance on now. Now, it goes without saying, your favorite pope is St. John Paul II. By far. And yep, you would probably argue he's uh, has made one of the biggest impacts on the church as I well. I would. I would. Is there another pope in that era that you would say stands out as making a huge impact well, on the church? I mean, we've got... Certain, in a positive way. We have certain popes that have been named the Great because of that. And so, like Gregory the Great... Leo the Great. There's another pope by the name of Nicholas the Great. That it's not as that term's not used as much on him, but certainly universally, um, uh, Leo and Gregory the Great, and that's mostly the impact in which you know they had on the church in, in their in their eras. But you know the thing about the papacy now is that it's even though it's always been universal Catholic, you know the pope, uh, because of the media today and uh, you know modern forms of communication, the pope has an impact on the world in a much more very real way than he ever has before because of because of the way the media works you know i mean it has been said just and and also just travel it that john paul ii was seen by more people than any other person in history and that makes perfect sense right for how much he traveled and how many places he went you know uh so um uh, so the the effect that a pope can have on the world today is a little bit different than what they could have a long time ago Mm -hmm. now the church has had to uh, endure some pretty unsaintly popes. Right. Um, you know, are are there uh, any stories around that, or any really terrible popes that oh, we've endured sure. that you know of? And oh yeah, I mean, oh yeah, I mean, there's there's you know there there used to be it used to be where the papacy was basically the the lone world superpower. So back when the world when everybody was Catholic, you know, I mean, there wasn't different religions, um, especially in Europe, Western Europe. Uh, you know the the pope held all the authority, and so uh, you know a pope would have authority over kings or over emperors, over queens, because they were Catholic, and everybody else was Catholic. And so, if the pope wanted to to punish a king or a queen, he could put his country under interdict, interdict, or basically punish the whole country sacramentally because he didn't like your king. And if everybody's Catholic, it's like, well, we got a problem with that. You know, it's like, and so um, uh, the the popes were the ones that were crowning kings and crowning emperors. You know, and so. Uh, because of that, as I think it was um, uh, Machiavelli that uh, wrote about this in his book called *The Prince*, that um, uh, you know, power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. And when the popes were the absolute supreme political authority in the world, 
that became center focus of the papacy and the spiritual leadership became secondary. And so that really um, uh, brought to the forefront a lot of people that we might call undesirables that were Pope. But then at the same time, they were not heretics. You know, I mean, the Popes, you know, um, uh, uh, that were bad in their um, moral lives or in their in their ideas and how to, to run aspects of the political functions of the church uh, didn't do um, uh, things that were negative in regards to the spiritual aspects of the church. So we can say that the Holy Spirit guides the church in a particular way, probably more clearly under the what we might call the bad popes, even more so than the good popes. Because mm-hmm. the church still survived those bad popes. But isn't there an aspect of that where if you have a pope who's, who's living an immoral life, that has a severe impact on the moral life of the church as people are is witnessing this or living through this pope as the you know supreme example of you know the vicar but of christ that's, no that's true but even the people were looking at the pope at that time as like a head of state you mm-hmm. know i mean we re- they realize okay well he's the pope you know and we we have a hard time understanding it anything other than what we have it now sure you know but we're not living back then and so i would say since you know 1870 in particular, because that's when the, uh, the, Va- the Vatican lost the papal states, that the focal point of the Pope's job has primarily been spiritual, and that's grown over the last century and a half. Uh, whereas before that, it's like it was political. And so the, the people in the pews like realize, okay, this, this, he may be the Pope, but he's the political guy too. You know, and, I, and so it's just hard for us to appreciate because we don't live in the world that they did. Mm-hmm. But certainly you can't say that a Pope's immoral life wasn't having a negative effect. Of course it was having a negative effect, but I don't think that the people in the pews were viewing it in the same way that we would today. Okay. Do you know anything about, you know, we have a, a, a list of the first several popes in our Eucharistic Prayer 1. There are several right. of the early popes are listed. Do you right. know anything about that first group of popes and what what was it like for them as pope? What were they dealing with? Um, as the church was in its infancy. Yeah, of course, they're the Bishop of Rome, and that's the way they viewed themselves primarily. Although we do see we do see in early writings where, like the letter of Clement and other letters, where um, the Pope had authority over other, other like Catholic communities, and that they would be deferring to Rome and the Pope to to judge something or to uh, either even punish something. And so, uh, in the infancy, the Pope the papacy looked a bit different, obviously, than what it does now, but. You know, I mean, how they were elected was different as well. Basically, the priests of the di- the clergy of the diocese of Rome would get together and vote among themselves who would be the next uh, uh, bishop. And so we still kind of hold on to that a little bit because uh, when a guy is made a cardinal these days, he's given a parish in Rome that he's in charge of. It's called the titular parish. And so we still retain in our election process and conclaves what they were doing in the early church. So when a guy is made a cardinal, he's given a parish in Rome, he's officially a clergy of the Diocese of Rome, and so he's voting for the next pope, just like they did in the very earliest stages of the of the church's elections for papacies. That's incredible. Yeah. Do you have, uh, you know, regarding the upcoming Vatican Returns to Duluth, what's your oldest papal artifact, or I, one of them? I would say that I've got a, um, uh, um, uh, a, a small portion of wood from uh, of the chair of peter which is you know the chair of peter's inside um, bernini if you look at saint peter's basilica the big window of the holy spirit um uh, you know the big dove uh that's called um uh, that's bernini's chair the altar of the chair there's an altar there and inside that chair right underneath that window massive chair is actually the chair the wooden chair that peter himself 
used and sat on, the original cathedra, if you will. And of course, you know, I mean, some people can say, well, that's a little bit questionable, but it's there. And so um, uh, I've got a sliver from from that actual original chair in a very fancy uh, reliquary. So that's just one little, and that'll, that will be on uh, the display for the Vatican Returns to Duluth. And so enough about that. We'll talk more about that in the future. I want to get our young Eli back on the air. So if I'm the young Eli, does that make you the old Father Rich? Maybe. I see that you a- you asked another question. I did, oldest and you pope ignored went, it. Oldest, oldest pope when elected, according to tradition, it was a pope by the name of Agatho, who was pope just, I think, around 100, 101 when he was elected. Oh, there you he's go. up there. So how he's long up there. did he serve as pope? He, until he was 106. He died at 106. Huh. That's enough. a little bit, that, that's kind of shrouded in legend, too. Anyhow, how's it going, young Eli? Oh, you know, it's it's going pretty well. I'm uh, just, you know, sitting back here in my little my little booth without windows and just on a high uh, chair. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, my my chair is quite low down to the ground. Oh, it's pretty nice. It's got a couple it of short legs. Are, are your feet you know, touching the ground? Office chair. <laughs> my my feet are touching the ground. In Ooh, fact, yes, right. yes, they are. <laughs> all right, Eli, why don't you give us a little bit of a lowdown over the next show? Well, I could do that. Yes, here's what's coming up on our next show. That's tomorrow morning, nine to eleven a.m. Central. Coming to you from a CC Heights in Rochester, Minnesota, hosted by Steve Sponskowski and Michael Goldsmith. It's a hot button issue that the sisters of Saint Francis and Rochester want to keep at the forefront of people's minds. What is this issue and why do they want to bring such awareness to it? Sister Mary Elliott will tell us more. What role does the Sacred Heart have in the Catholic Church? We'll find out that as we visit with Mary Hanbury. And it's an evil that is detrimental to our minds and human dignity and sadly it's coming after our children in any way it can. Peter Martin of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester will tell us what this evil is and talk about ways that parents can protect their kids from it. And what does it mean to be a virtuous father? Well, we'll begin to answer that as we talk with Jay Wickham, previewing the upcoming men's conference in the Diocese of Rapid City. All that and a whole lot more coming up tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Right back to you. That sounds great, Eli. Thanks, Eli. That sounds like a fantastic show tomorrow. I'm going to have to try and tune in online at yourcatholicradiostation.com to stream wow. it. Or you could I check it out on the app. Well, there you go. Perfect. Now, no. for, for those that are just tuning in, so we just uh, I just found out, I've been working with Eli for quite a while. I just found out his age. I was a little surprised by his age. You sound so much older online, Eli, or on, on the air. He was born I older, I get that a father. lot. He was born older. <laughs> well, well, what's next for you today, Father? Uh, saving souls. That's what priests do. So um, how about you, Kevin? Uh, saving my family soul. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> All right, well, it's great to be here with you today, and we had a great show, a lot of uh, fantastic insight from our guests, and as always, it's been a pleasure to be here in your beautiful gathering space with the lovely stained glass window, so thanks for, for hosting us today, Father. Well, uh, thanks for being here, Kevin, and uh, we certainly want to give blessings to all those that are listening, so may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit may he keep you throughout this day and keep you safe and joy-filled. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. Thanks Amen. for listening. God. Tune in tomorrow. God bless. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. 
Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence radio network.